Hello and welcome. The number of confirmed Omicron variant cases of COVID-19 in India now stands at at least 21. It has uh, more than doubled in a day on Sunday. The government has put in COVID-19 guidelines mandated by the central government amidst this concern over this new Omicron variant. Keeping the Omicron COVID variant in view, the Airports Authority of India has shared a detailed set of state-wise guidelines for quarantine norms and regulations to be undertaken by air passengers and flyers. Is that enough to keep us all collectively safe? Is that enough to contain the spread of the new variant of the coronavirus? Or is it a classic situation where policies are many, but its implementation is lacking? Now, according to passengers who have been venting on social media, there's complete chaos. Chaos is reigning at our international airports as passengers line up for COVID tests. Tempers are frayed as delayed results anger travellers. The testing centres blame the huge volume of passengers they have to test. I want to first share a video of a traveller who arrived in India on a flight from Spain yesterday. So take a look at this video. This passenger wants to remain anonymous and I can understand why, but this is the latest, most updated situation on the ground. What is worrying is that international passengers say the airport is like a hotspot. That is a quote from passengers who we have spoken to. No social distancing at the Delhi airport, as this video shows. Going by his experience, this passenger says it takes approximately five hours to get out of the airport. That's five hours if you choose to pay the 3,500 rupees for the rapid test. And there are long queues for the COVID test first. So there's a long queue for that COVID test, one to two hours waiting time in line to get the COVID test. After paying 3,500 for the rapid test, that takes around 90 minutes for the report to come in. The normal test costs 500 rupees, but the report could take six to eight hours as per the authorities. There are long queues at immigration too, one to two hours it takes to clear immigration. So the main concern here for this passenger and others that we have spoken to is that there are no provisions in place at the airport for social distancing. So he's told us the We The People team that while everyone is wearing masks, there are lots of children, who want. And the authorities, according to these passengers, have no idea or had no idea how to enforce crowd control. All of this very worrying because after this, the passenger says his boarding pass had a stamp that said seven day home quarantine. But there were no phone calls or follow ups in the last 24 hours. He, in fact, admitted to us that he went out for a dinner last night. So and caught in the middle of all of this are students. Indian students who've been studying abroad, Indian students who were scheduled to return home to India for their winter break. One of them is a student, Muskan Manchanda. She flew back from the Netherlands. She landed in Delhi via uh, Moscow. Um, and she joins us. Uh, Muskan, you know, in a way, you're lucky uh, that you got in. But what was your experience like? Uh, hi, so uh, my experience was not that bad because I paid a lot for the test, which was 3500 But I want to add that uh, while I was uh, paying 3500 for the test here in India, I already paid about 70 euro in Netherlands, which is about 7,000 rupees I paid. So uh, I wasted a, a, around 10,000 rupees for nothing because uh, I paid twice the amount of money, you know, for the same reason. And it's not like I'm earning. 
So I'm a student and I have to pay for the same thing twice. And the second thing I noticed was the social distancing problem. A guy in front of me was sitting there and he was not wearing the mask. And while a person interrupted him and said that you should wear your mask, then he just picked up his water bottle and said that I'm drinking water bottle. Mm. Uh, I'm drinking water. So that's a concern, you know, for us. We travel like 20 hours to get to India. And with the lack of safety reasons, we can be uh, hurting in the future. So you're bringing up the point that there's multiple testing that needs to be done. So it's a very uh, cost uh, in effect. I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's an expensive proposition for anybody who has to travel nowadays. Of course, also there's the worry of uh, this actually affecting you, affecting your health. Yes, of course it is. Uh... Uh, it was uh, quite hard because uh, even in the Netherlands, I paid a lot. And uh, But I am vaccinated. I have two vaccines of Pfizer, but so nobody checked my Pfizer. So how did you make that decision to, make, to, to travel? I know you traveled before, you know, this Omicron variant exploded. Uh, yeah. But how did you take that? At that point of time, you weren't so concerned. Uh, first of all, my family was very much concerned about me because of the rises of the COVID cases in Netherlands. So they wanted me to come back to India because, uh, of course, it's not safe to, to stay there because uh, there's no one for uh, me to take care of, you know. So I'm there alone. So they want me to come back home. But even here, uh, uh, I'm facing the crisis when uh, people are not wearing masks and uh, I'm standing there for like in the queue for uh, getting tested. So that's a concern. And then you may come home and infect your own parents who've been so concerned about you being alone in a foreign country without anyone to help in case you fall. Exactly. So it's, a really, it's a very trying time and uh, people are so filled with anxiety. So we have people arriving. Those who are arriving in India now really seem to be descending into a new post-Omicron reality, right? And it's a hellish one going from what we've heard. You have hours spent breathing stale air, planes are sitting on the tarmac, then you're fighting exhaustion, of course, in cramped waiting rooms, waiting swab results in close quarters with fellow travelers who could just, you know, turn out to be infected with this new and possibly more uh, uh, variant, uh, dangerous variant. That's not yet clear yet. We do not know about uh, how dangerous this variant could be. But we have more students joining us today on We The People. This is part of our comprehensive coverage of the COVID-19 situation and its impact on life business and the economy. So remember, after the emergence of the Omicron variant in Africa last week, the United States, the European Union and other nations banned flights from South Africa immediately. Israel and Japan slammed their doors on the world. Australia and other countries postponed opening up. There's really been a cascading effect all over the world. Australia, let's talk about Australia. So Australia paused plans to reopen its borders to some foreign nationals basically amidst fears over the new COVID variant. Now, Australia was due to allow vaccinated, skilled migrants and international students entry from the 1st of December, and that has now been put on hold. Grusha Undwar is a student of the University of uh, Melbourne. She now joins us from uh, Australia. Uh, Grusha, Australia had until recently had some of the strictest border policies in the world. It was barring even its own people from leaving the country. Uh, many had even called, you know, dubbed this strategy Fortress Australia. Now, the policy has been praised for helping to control COVID, but it's also separated many, many families. And I'm guessing you haven't been able to return home in a while. Yes, surely, because I left India to come to Melbourne in 2020, February, and I had no idea that I won't be seeing my family for two years. 
And because of Australia's border restriction, it becomes very uncertain for international students like me to go back and forth without getting infected and not just bringing the virus to India, but also maybe bringing the virus back to Australia. And uh, with student visas being the least in priority, and even if there is, they might give priority to medicine or STEM courses, that makes it very uncertain for us. Leave alone the exuberant prices we have to pay for testing as well as tickets to come back to India. Now, because things were getting better, Australia did plan, but thanks to the Omicron virus, we had to shut the borders again. And a lot of my peers who were planning to come to Australia starting 1st December, they had to postpone and cancel their flights. And with me graduating right now, it's very uncertain for me. And I think it's going to be a long wait to see my family even more. I'm so sorry to hear this, uh, Grusha. You know, I really think that we've all gotten through this uh, past two years because we've had access to family. I can't imagine what it must have been like for students like you uh, studying abroad through this all. And this pandemic really has a wicked sense of humor. No one, it seems, has spared it. Some can't return home like Grusha. Others can't leave India. We have Dia Jyota Dathwani. She's a London-based entrepreneur. And uh, uh, Dia, what's your story? So I actually arrived on the 29th, a day before these more stringent restrictions came into force. And the thing is that I, well, coming in didn't feel um, like I was, I felt a hindrance really getting into the country. But I was called um, the following day by some people from the Ministry of Health. And they mentioned to me that I needed to get another test within six days. Now, I was quite surprised when it came to that conversation, because A, those weren't the rules when I arrived. And B, since I'm used to uploading my test results on a government portal, I asked them, I was like, okay, where do I upload my result? And they turned around and said to me that they just call me to find out whether I tested positive or negative. So I feel like it's a bit of a farce. And also the fact that we don't have a playbook when it comes to a new variant, we don't really know how to react. And I don't think that that's something that can be acceptable any longer because with coronavirus, we knew that there are going to be new variants coming along. Why don't we have a playbook that dictates what passengers, incoming and outgoing passengers should expect, airlines should expect, and others should expect? Because Mm. this isn't something new and unexpected you know so you're saying you know things can fall through the cracks and it's we cannot afford for that to happen right now what are your plans in terms of of going back now because many would actually you know when we look at you from the outside say you were the one of the lucky few ones who made it in there was a very small window a little sliver of opportunity where things really looked like they were turning around indeed in fact i was so excited to be returning at this point And actually, it's funny because I was one of the last commercial flights Mm. to leave India back when the Delta variant was an issue. And at the time, I paid another exorbitant price for my ticket just to leave the country. I think it was something like 3,40,000 a head. 
And wow. now I'm trying to go back to London on the 3rd of January and my ticket price is somewhere around 370,000. So it's like I need to make a decision do I stay here, stay on and pay a lower price because um I've been liaising with the airline and something interesting that I learned was it's not just the demand from students and working professionals who need to travel back and forth. There's a phenomenon of revenge travel which is like people have been cooped up for 2 years desperate to travel because um from the 15th on I believe flights were supposed to open up everyone wants to go on vacation experience the outside world see more than they've been seeing over the last 2 years hmm. but revenge travel seems to have been affecting people who actually need to travel for essential reasons by pushing up the prices of tickets and it's just it's become a really tricky situation because it's the laws of supply and demand sure, really speaking sure. because airlines have reduced their capacity they've been one of the hardest hit in this pandemic and we need to really really you know pay an homage to the way they've actually been still around trying to sure. support us but really i think people need to take a step back and think to themselves All right. Do I really All need right. to travel? You've raised yeah you've raised a very important point do I really need to travel what about those who do need to travel for whom it's been exactly. an emergency and adding to all of this are our embassies who haven't been issuing uh, visas and passports so thousands are stuck in limbo instead in a visa issuance system gone awry consular services have been working at reduced capacity I'm going to take the liberty of uh, quoting Rahul Fernandez who goes by uh, newspaper wala on Twitter he says I live in the US on a work visa I am among thousands of Indians unable to see their families because US consulates in India haven't fully functioned through the pandemic if I leave the US to see my parents i won't be able to return unless i get a consular appointment he says he's on a telegram group with 60000 strangers all of whom are trying to find an appointment and they say that what happens is you get blocked from the website for 3 days if you try logging in more than four times a day just imagine how cruel that is you need to get home you want to get home but you can't log in or more than 3 times a day there are other online groups where people have discussed he says uh, the pain of staying away from loved ones some are worried about employment others fear children missing school for him his 80 year old father's health has been a constant worry but none of these qualify for emergency appointments we have uh, sanam arora joining us she's a founder and chairperson of the national indian students and alumni union in the uk sanam what are the main concerns of indian students in the uk right now Um, Sarah, firstly, great to be on a panel that has multiple women. So congratulations for pulling that together. UK is, you know, we are actually, I would say, one of the better off countries compared to countries like Australia. The British government has done a relatively good job insofar as Indian students and international travellers are concerned. But nevertheless, we've been through a year and a half already where, you know, students have been suffering and haven't, just like other students on the panel have said, they haven't been able to go back home to their loved ones for for the best part of a year and a half or two years. Um, flight costs are absolutely exorbitant, and you know, we were just checking. There's something like a lack a lack and a half for a one way flight from from either destination to the other country and i think the biggest issue right now is the a the lack of clarity on what the rules are we appreciate it's a fully dynamic situation and it's consistently changing but in the age of social media to expect young people to go through pages and pages and tons of information about what they need to do you know we should have learned better by now we need to be releasing 
to the point, bullet point, specific advisories and guidance on what people need to be doing. And that's something my organization's been doing. But I think the fact that this Omicron variant is now leading to uncertainty about what people are actually going to be facing in a couple of days, in a few weeks' time, is leading to havoc for their travel plans. So, as you know, students like to travel over the festive period. Many of them hadn't traveled for such a long time. We're now going to go back. They're now concerned about being stranded in India, because should this variant turn out to be, um, you know, something like Delta, for instance, let's hope it doesn't turn out to be that way, but should they become stranded in India, as many thousands became stranded in both destinations before, here are students' concerns. One, they don't want to be doing online tuition as they've been doing for the best part of a year and a half. You know, they've been paying thousands of pounds, an exorbitant amount. And, you know, people think people studying outside, you know, there's this sentiment that goes around, our, our, you know, this is luxury travel as, as you know, or it's, it's a luxurious item. It's not, you know, people are studying, they've taken loans, they're on scholarships, people are struggling to make their costs meet. So for those people, they don't want to be doing online studies. And the concern is, if I get stranded in India, if, if I've traveled, will I be able to come back? Will I be resorting to, to online study? That concern also exists for those who are currently in the UK. Should the Omicron variant spread in the UK, will universities move to online teaching? Nobody wants that, and that's a major concern. Secondly, um, concerns are abound that in the first wave of, of the uh, coronavirus in the UK, students were badly hit because they lost their part-time incomes. A lot of students work in hospitality industries. So should that variant impact considerably in the UK again, students who continue to rely on such part-time income to support their living expenses may be badly hit again. So that's starting to emerge considerably. Um, and I think the fact of... Um, People generally being really anxious now, you know, we'd started to feel, especially in the UK, things were so much under control. They still are credit to all the stakeholders. But there was a sense that we're getting to the end of the pandemic. And now it feels like we're closer to the start of the pandemic. Yeah, and well, that anxiety is really yeah, so and I think that really does raise anxiety issues. And we've talked so much on We the People about mental health in over the past two years. And again, emphasis, stress coming in from all sides. Vimal Kumar Rai is an aviation expert. He joins us now. He's the founder and MD of Trace Consulting Services. Uh, Vimal, the aviation industry took a huge hit over the last few years. And just as there was hope of things returning to normal when countries like the US and Australia were beginning to lift their travel bans, which would have allowed couples, families to reunite after 18 months of missed reunions, missed births, weddings, funerals, bam, we seem to be back where we started. There's really, at the end of it, Vimal, you know, this is an industry you've been working in to promote, but there's not much joy left to flying, certainly not right now, correct? Absolutely. Um, so I, I did a post about this just recently because I traveled to London, to the Netherlands, uh, from where I'm talking to you right now. And it, it really does feel like we are back, you know, 12 months, right? Uh, there's so much uncertainty. And, and uncertainty is what kills that, you know. Um, nobody is interested in traveling if they can't figure out how they need to do the journey. And that's Vimal, what I was Vimal, saying. Give me a short, Vimal, give me a chance. Uh, can you just reconnect? I want to come back to you. Meanwhile, let me get in a, a doctor. We have uh, Dr. Rajinder K. Dhamijap. Just uh, reconnect, Vimal, please. I want to go, listen to what he's saying. We couldn't hear him too clearly. Dr. Uh, Dhamija, you know, I just want to uh, be glad to have you on the show because we've done shows about how safe, whether it's safe or not to fly. But under these circumstances, as many of our students and panelists have pointed out, 
these are uh, these are emergencies they have to travel and this is the situation they find themselves in in our airports doctor what does one need to know if one is flying or needs to fly over the next two weeks to keep one's uh, one uh, ourselves and our loved ones safe quick tips uh, thanks thank thank you for having me on your show sara uh, i think uh, uh, we need to understand that the pandemic has a set trajectory it always uh, comes in bigger cities like delhi mumbai bangalore uh, because of the international travel and then it spreads from these metropolitan cities to the uh, tier 2 cities and then to the smaller towns so this trajectory has to be kept in mind and that that's what the policy makers and the government understands and takes actions accordingly hmm. as per the situation which evolves whether it is omicron or the otherwise so it is very Doctor, important so if you that- are at an airport like this yes. the visuals you're seeing you don't i mean you can't there's no uh, option for social distancing because you need to get out so you need to stand in those queues yes. in order Abs- to get absolutely. your immigration papers stamped so what does one need to do is it basically just wear a mask not touch your face i mean not eat not drink water what what would you advise so basically the standard operating procedures have to be there at the airport to manage the crowds and uh, maintain social distancing but having said that uh, uh, the who had said uh, today that all unavoidable travel should be you know not taken uh, avoidable travel is only when you have uh, uh, you know you have no other option but to travel the emergency situation only you can travel all right. and that also that also all right. vulnerable but many people 16... don't have that choice doctor okay i have vimal kumal rai uh, joining us back vimal you got cut off go ahead please hi so um I I was actually saying that you know it's it's very troublesome for somebody to be traveling if they don't know what the requirements are and in my case just to do you know simple travel to London as well as to the Netherlands I actually had to make a 6 by 3 excel grid and then I had to keep checking that you know every couple of days every time the requirements changed and I was very lucky because when I flew into London the requirements were changing the day after that I landed so I wasn't that badly affected But for anybody who's actually I'm following you on Twitter is it true that you flew Singapore to London via Dubai then Amsterdam Dubai back to Singapore 31 days Exactly I'm still in the middle of that trip Okay so that's that's what it may take to get from one country to the another here but I want to ask you the irony is you said you went to a world aviation festival in London what is this aviation festival about uh, at a time when aviation is you know is being killed as you say there's no joint aviation So we were all looking forward to things restarting right and and you know things things don't happen overnight aviation you've got to have a you've got to have a 6 month 12 month uh, time frame for which plan your travels and i can tell you that airlines and airports are investing in trying to make the journey better for us all of us that's what the that's what the festival was about. so the irony is everybody experts like you were meeting to try and see how to get the aviation industry back on its feet and then we've been hit again by a new variant so you had to make uh, an excel sheet that had requirements demanded so different airlines will have different requirements different governments will have different requirements there are those tests that you have to do you have to have printouts of all these tests now uh, what so then what would your advice be to anybody who wants to who needs to uh, travel right now please give us some tips i have two major tips for everyone who wants to travel number 1 be very very prepared be prepared to do your research don't believe anything that an agent tells you because not everybody is aware 
I had even airline staff who were not aware of what the rules were, so I had to do the research itself via the government side. The second example or the second advice that I would give to anyone is buy travel insurance. Buy travel insurance that's going to cover COVID-19 because if you get it when you're overseas, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. There's going to be a lot of out-of-pocket expense, not to mention all the other tests. So you really do need to consider that insurance before you fly. All right, so two major tips, and I think travel insurance, everyone who can must. I mean, they, I think one would be crazy to travel right now without that. I want to quickly go across to Jyoti Mayal. Uh, Ms. Jyoti, uh, apologies, we're completely out of time, but I want to, uh, to get an idea from you. Just closing words on this. You're the president of the largest nodal travel and tourism association. Your thoughts on being hit by the industry, being hit by this uh, new variant uh, right now. So thank you for getting me here. And I'll just share quickly because I know you're running out of time. Uh, but I think it's very relevant, firstly, that we need to know the right protocols. And that's why I keep telling the government that we need unified policies amongst the states and the country to open borders. Because that's what is the most confusing thing right now is yeah. the protocols. Uh, and like Vimal said, that we don't know what's really happening. It's changing by the minute, uh, the seconds, if not a yeah. minute also. So those are the first thing that needs to be marketed very quickly and, you know, disseminated the entire information to the traveler because that is where what is needed. Secondly, what you said, and I've been looking at it, I feel that I've going, gone back into the time machine to the past. I was exactly here a year back saying the same and talking to students. So I think we do not, we haven't learned from our past mistakes. We haven't learned how to handle the challenges. We should have had more staff to look in after this All COVID right. test and seeing the crowds yes. on the airport. And that's where the government needs associations like us to work with them with so that there is more information right. filtered out. There are more better ways of working forward. Travel well, I hate to end on that depressing note that we seem to be back uh, to square one and we don't seem to have learned from uh, everything that transpired over the last three years. But thank you all for joining us, sharing your experiences, being so candidly with us on We The People tonight. Thank you.